Hello and welcome to the Cordovales podcast. I'm Joe and I'm joined by V. Hi. In this episode, I'm going to actually be interviewing V about her opinions on the live action show from the 90s, Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. <laughs> this show ran for about four seasons, so it was 93 to 97, and it stars Dean Cain as Clark Kent and Terry Hatcher as Lois Lane. I spent a little bit of my childhood watching this show back when Netflix was mailing out DVDs to houses for rent. I never watched the whole show in its entirety, but the episodes I did see, I enjoyed very much. And I have been making it my mission to try and get V to understand why (laughs) I like Superman. (laughs) As we know, V is very much a Gothamite at heart. True. He's brainwashing me. Send help. (laughs) Um, So it is really nice to go back in time and kind of see sort of... Superman in a better light than we currently get to see him because if you have jumped onto the Superman train recently and you've only been exposed to him through Supergirl or if you're reading him through Bendis's eyes, you're getting sort of not a Superman who's at his best. No. In my opinion, Superman is at his strongest when nobody knows his secret identity. Mm-hmm. You get that wacky love triangle with Lois and Clark. It's cute and I enjoy it a lot. In theory, I haven't seen anything I liked as much as the animated series in live action. So it was nice to get to see a new series that I guess everyone else has seen already. It came out when I was young and I knew that it was going on. It was the 90s, you know? Yeah. But I wasn't involved with watching superhero or sitcoms in the 90s. (laughs) Like, I didn't really watch TV. My parents were like... If you have books, you can manage Mm -hmm. in life. Like, you should not be watching TV. It'll rot your brain. So um, now I'm rotting my brain (laughs) and going back and checking out a lot of 90s stuff, but mostly Lois and Clark. So you've never watched, like, one episode before, but you've known, like, the actors. Well, I know that Dean Cain was on Supergirl. I know that he plays a character. I actually heard about Dean Cain's Superman more recently because of all that Twitter kerfuffle. Dean Cain was interviewed and they were talking about the police and how we need to re-examine superheroes because is it okay for people to like superheroes in an age where police are not cool anymore? He was like, you know, I promise you as Superman I wouldn't today be allowed to say truth, justice in the American way. Basically, saying what everybody knows is that Superman would kind of be out of vogue. A lot of things that he says, like the American way, I've heard that criticized recently. Right. I mean, even in places where, you know, we aren't allowed to do the Pledge of Allegiance in certain schools. Like, can you imagine having a superhero saying... Right, but at the same time, he hasn't actually said the American way, to my knowledge, since before the 90s. Well... I haven't seen it in comics. Let me tell you about Twitter... So there's this guy on there, it's my arch nemesis, Tom Keane. <laughs> As you all know, he's the one who ruined Batman for years, and I was reviewing him during that time, which made my life a living hell. <laughs> he totally ruined my girl, Catwoman. And yes. the reason he did that, I think, is because he just loves her too much and hates Batman so much. And yeah. that juxtaposition made her able to fight Flash with no powers. <laughs> And made her a better knife fighter than Talia. So just to catch you up on that. That's why I hate Tom Keen. Anyways, he went after Dean Kane, And he's all... (laughs) 
He's like, motherfucker, I put Truth, Justice, and the American Way in a comic this year. So much hate. Probably referring to his Superman Up in the Sky comic that is out recently. Yeah, and it's no secret that Tom Keen doesn't like yep. Superman. He thinks he's unrelatable, boring, and he said that in a panel. I think it was like 2017 or 2018, he was in a panel with Frank Miller. The year before Frank Miller came out with his Superman Year One book. Well, and this is why I was so shocked that he even took a job writing Superman. I know! Because, like, <laughs> why would you write a character you hate? Because he probably wanted to prove to Frank Miller that he changed his mind. <laughs> oh, no. Tom Keen always seems like he's trying too hard for approval, and also, in my opinion, not enough. So, anyways... He's like, ha take that. And so Dean Cain responds in typical Superman form, well, kudos to you. I stand corrected. I'm glad you did. What comic is that? And then in parentheses, also, the MF part of your tweet, not necessary at all, but if it makes you feel tough, that's okay. <laughs> Which, as I've come to learn about Dean Cain's version of Superman, He's uh, very wholesome. He was yeah. raised to be wholesome, but he's got a little bit of a sarcastic edge. He can be snarky. He is a snarky boy. It does seem to be that that's just Dean Cain now. Yeah. I think for a lot of people who play certain characters, it does become sort of their persona. Yeah. Like, it certainly was Adam West. He played that version of Batman yeah. in almost anything he did. So I was excited to jump into Lois and Clark and see how this person, Dean Kane, played such a mild-mannered reporter. Because he does seem a little bit like, you remember that one infamous Superman page, Lois Lane is being intimidated, and Clark Kent is hindly nearly breaking his hand as he's, like, oh, intimidating him. Oh, secret origins from Gary, Frank, and Jeff Johns. <laughs> it's that heck and perish thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which you kindly heck and perish. So that's what we're kind of getting on Twitter, and that definitely whet my appetite to kind of see what he was like. Mm -hmm as Superman, because I didn't think I was going to get sort of a bland interpretation. So, we are, I want to say, about halfway through the third season now. Mm -hmm. Thanks to the DC Universe app, we're able to binge watch this show now. So, what are your thoughts from, like, the first couple episodes of the first season to where we are now? Like, do you still feel the same way about the show? You know, my first impressions of it were that Clark Kent, he was a little bit too sure of himself, a little cocky, you know, big fish, small pond, mm. moving into the big city. And I thought he would get a reality check. And instead, I realized that the entire city bends over backwards <laughs> to cater to this man. Not Superman, mind you. Clark Kent. Somehow, Clark Kent has that magical power that makes all the babes want him and all the guys love him. And <laughs> I don't get it. I kind of really, I'm starting to identify a little too closely with Lex Luthor. <laughs> I just, he's smug, okay? Yeah. He's snarky, he's smug. I will give you that. We have a mild-mannered Superman, and we have a spicy little Clark Kent, and sometimes I just want to slap him, and it's only because of how he interacts with Lois. Everyone else, he's mm -hmm. a joy. He's absolutely sweet. His, his little quips are kind of cute. But with Lois Lane, I feel like he doesn't treat her good enough. So now that we're about like two and a half seasons in now, it's still the same way? Yeah, you know, every episode has kind of a flavor of the week villain, but sometimes like there are two-parters, some of them are recurring. I think the strength of the show isn't so much in Superman, but in the supporting cast. Yes. 
and in the plots because they do a lot of detective work as reporters. They do a lot of things reporters should not be allowed to do, <laughs> but they do a lot of detective work that makes it really fun, very Nancy Drewish. Yeah. They do a lot of quirky characters. They're not too far out. Like they're not going Supergirl where they're like, wow, look at all these B-list characters we're pulling out of the index. Look at all these monsters we've created from Supergirl or because of Supergirl or we've pulled them from outer space. A lot of times it's very Scooby-Doo-esque where it's like there's a simple solution and it doesn't get too wild and somehow it works. Like we don't need two big baddies fighting each other. I do want to say it's probably also just because of the budget they have at hand. That's true. Every time they bring up anything CGI it looks terrible. Uh, But they don't do it very much. You gotta remember it is the early 90s. This is 1993. It looks better than modern (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry. It looks so much better than Supergirl. And the reason it does is because they rely less on the tech and more on the story. Yes. Okay, so there's a lot of science in this. So there's yes. a lot of scientists doing sciencey things that, let's be real, a lot of them would not be possible. That It's basically magic. I mean, like, if I was to compare it to a show, it would be a little bit more like Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Mm-hmm than any of our modern superhero fare. That was also around the same time. Yeah, but you know, like, the point of it wasn't, ooh, look at the magic, Mm -hmm. look at the darkness. Like, the current Sabrina, if you've watched it, she's, like, basically a Satanist, and they want her to, like, kill people, I think. I did not watch that one. I watched the sitcom (laughs) one with the talking black cat. Which is what we're doing here. We (laughs) We have this quirky, relatable couple who are pretty much awesome people in their own right. Mm Mm-hmm. And we get to see the whole supporting cast grow as people and deal with extraordinary circumstances as ordinary people. And that, it's really appealing. I really like this. Speaking of the characters, I want to hear your impressions on what they've done so far. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you a character. I want you to tell me (laughs) what you knew of them beforehand. Okay. And if the show's portrayal kind of matches up with your idea of them. And if it's made like a more positive or negative impact for you. You spoke a little bit already about Superman Clark Kent, played by Dean Cain. Mm-hmm. Does he kind of match up with your interpretation of Superman? Well, like I said, we've got a mild-mannered Superman, and we've got a sort of smug, snarky mm-hmm. Clark. And normally that would be absolutely insufferable. It's basically Hannah Montana, you know? Because <laughs> <laughs> Stay with me here. <laughs> I absolutely abhor this show. And here's why. Because in Hannah Montana, we've got secret identity. The secret identity is this bland sort of persona that she puts on so she can sing. And everyone loves the persona. But then when she's herself, she's this absolute spoiled brat who needs to learn a lesson every week. And everyone worships her and her friends let her get away with murder. (laughs) And it's all about her and it's very shallow. But in this... Like, I know I said that it makes excuses for him and everybody loves him. And it is it is weird that everyone's in love with Clark Kent because he is middlingly attractive. And he's standing next to Lois Lane, who is a knockout. Yeah. I don't understand that as much, but he is wholesome most of the time. And when he's not, I love how involved his parents are in his life. <laughs> and they will call him out on his shit. And so you know that the writers aren't saying, this is a good way to behave. They're right. like, this is a flawed character. He doesn't understand women. He doesn't understand how to communicate. He's kind of a jackass sometimes. Mm -hmm. He needs to be better. 
And so it's not just resolved in one issue and there's no one lesson he learns and then he needs to relearn it every week. The personal issues that they go through, they last longer than the villain of the week. So they have to keep growing in sort of an upward path. Mm -hmm. So his parents... They are a little helicopter parents, but can you blame them? They're really worried about their kid. Instead of like, ooh, he's super powered, time for him to leave the nest, he doesn't eat us. They're like, no, no, he needs us more than a normal kid because look at him, he has this going on in his life. They're like, don't tell anyone about this, Clark, they'll put you in a lab. But they also will straight talk to him about when he's out of line. And actually even characters in the world acknowledge that makes him more likable is because his parents are so good. I can forgive him for being an imperfect character if the script acknowledges that he's imperfect mm-hmm. and wants him to get better. So I like that about him. I think it, it definitely enhances the show. I do not want a bad boy Clark Kent. No. <laughs> <laughs> so how about Lois Lane, who is played by Terry Hatcher? Okay, Terry Hatcher, I know that she was listed as number one in like the most beautiful woman in the world by some magazine at some point. She wears her hair very straight and you don't notice how pretty she is until she goes undercover mm-hmm. or she goes to some gala where she like curls her hair and puts on extra makeup and you're like oh my gosh (laughs) like she's a knockout she's smart she's great at singing she's great at dancing she's good at anything she does she's type a she needs to be the best all the time and she's always trying to prove herself and they definitely like casually show you that it is a man's world that she's in there are other females in this world there's a bunch of things where she does interact with women but it's predominantly male. Mm-hmm. And in order to be the top of the top, she has to really claw her way. And you can see how hard she tries, almost cartoonishly hard <laughs> for that in the beginning, especially. Yes. But as she like gets her chops, as she's starting to like feel herself, she's still making unnecessary risks. And it's not because she's trying to prove herself to anyone, but just because she's so focused on getting the story, on solving the mystery that she just makes dumb decisions. The evolution of her character is so believable and she's just really likable. She definitely tries to understand people where they are mm-hmm. and she definitely like makes this really nice contrast between this driven woman and this very soft interior. And yeah. I think she's really nice. I think she's really sympathetic and because she is the proxy for the audience in this story, <laughs> I think she does a great job of kind of being the everyman while also being basically a superhero in her own right. Mm -hmm. I liked it a lot. Because I do know, like, your more favored, like, interpretation of Lois was from the 90s cartoon. I do. I like her edge. I like that she is, she's a bitch, okay? I'm not going (laughs) to mince words. Uh, The Lois Lane from the cartoon is a bitch. And she pretty much walks right all over Kent. Um, And the reason she does is because, A, he's a doormat. And B, that's just how she is. Her personality is very strong. Mm -hmm. And this one, she's a lot softer. A lot of the edges have been filed off. She has a lot of insecurities. She can't hold her ground for very long without feeling guilty. And I think that they definitely softened up her origins. I was going to say, like, do you think that she doesn't have much of a hard edge as the one from the cartoon because they changed her origins? Because for the most part... Lois Lane's background is that she is the daughter of a five-star general. Mm -hmm. And so she spent most of her life moving from military camp to military camp. I think in the cartoon, everyone has to be more caricatured, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone has less time to develop. 
and we don't see as much Lois Lane in the cartoons, so when you see her, she's got to make an impression. Right. She clicks in on her heels, barks things at people. She gets what she wants by being sort of a Barbara Walters character. This one that we're seeing in this version with Lois and Clark, she has to be softer. She has to have a lot more vulnerability because we are supposed to relate to her. She is, Mm -hmm. in a way, us. And so we have to like her. We have to sympathize with her. We have to root for her. And they do a really good job of making you just root for her because she is always up against stuff hitting above her weight class. And she does it in such a, a vulnerable, authentic way that you really feel for her. I also like how they gave her a mom, but we don't see her mom very much. They gave her a dad that she hates because he was never around. He was a doctor, yeah. but he never had time for her. But she does identify really well with sporty guys mm-hmm. because her dad was, a, was an like athletic a, doctor. Yeah, he was like a sports doctor. Sports but doctor. Like with enhancements and things. Yes. <laughs> so that helps set up a plot at some point. I also like that she has a sister, Lucy, that she mm-hmm. worries about. And I think she calls Clark out for being selfish a lot of times because he is an only child. Yeah. So he has only child syndrome. And it impresses me that the writers thought that through, that an older sister would behave differently in the day-to-day than an only child and you see that in how she interacts with people versus how he interacts with people and i'm not saying like he's a terrible person he's selfish (laughs) and all that but like he doesn't get siblings right the same way that she does and she sort of transfers a lot of that big sister energy onto clark in the beginning Mm -hmm. and also onto jimmy yeah and speaking of jimmy actually because i do know that you are a bit of a fan of jimmy olsen so the old version of Jimmy, let's call a spade a spade. Jimmy Olsen is a freckly weirdo. You know, he's super eager to get the story. And if we're going to talk about family dynamics, we know that he is part of a large family. Yes. And so those kids are more eager for attention than anybody. And he's definitely always trying to be noticed. He's always trying to get the story. He's spunky and quirky. He's just outrageous. He's an outrageous person. And he's fun. So that's kind of where I'm coming at this with Jimmy Olsen. So I know Jimmy Olsen had his own series back in the day called Superman's Pal Jimmy Olsen. And he would go on these crazy adventures. He would go back in time, get involved with Superman's gadgets or Superman's enemies. Mm -hmm. He would have his own misadventures that were just fun. He's a wacky person and he's just a joy. The newest Jimmy Olsen that we see in the comics right now, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, is, um, who is it written by? That's written by Matt Faction. The art is by Steve Lieber. Right. So Matt Faction, his take is a bit more, like, isn't it wacky? He woke up having a one-night stand with a gorilla, which is not the kind (sighs) of wacky I was going for. Yeah. Bestiality was not on the menu when I picked that up. (laughs) But uh, Jimmy Olsen is even more wild than this, possibly, in a way that doesn't make sense. Like, the way he gets around from place to place doesn't make sense. His behavior doesn't make Mm -hmm. sense. His circumstances don't make sense. It's all very confusing and off-putting. So I would not recommend the current one, but I would definitely recommend the old one. Especially if, like I said, you're into the Scooby-Doo sort of Mm -hmm. aesthetic. So what we get here is a raven-haired Jimmy Olsen in Michael Landis. Jimmy was played by two different actors. Season one, he was played by Michael Landis. And then from season two on, he was played from Justin Whalen. Right. So Michael Landis, 
he definitely captures a lot of Jimmy's best qualities, right? He's hungry for work, but he's not getting it because he's basically being treated like a long-running intern while he's trying to impress his boss with hard-hitting news articles, but he's just getting walked over because he will not stand up for himself. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of a theme for a few episodes. Yeah. He has to stand up for himself. And Clark Kent and Lois Lane are both trying to get him to, but he's just so intimidated by Perry White, he won't. But he's definitely always around them. He helps them out with a lot of stuff. And he's very likable, very relatable. When he first showed up, I thought this story was about him because he has leading man qualities. And he was like the very first shot of the show also. I was so excited. I was like, oh, I'm going to love this, Jimmy. (laughs) It's a different take, definitely. Mm. And it's jarring to not have a ginger Jimmy. Yes. But I thought he was a delight. I really enjoyed him. Then Justin Whalen showed up. And uh, I did not enjoy him. No, we felt like we were on the Disney Channel. It's very Disney Channel. It's very Boy Meets World. Mm -hmm. It's silly. He has a different acting style than everyone else. It's jarring and off-putting, and I didn't care for it. I feel like I've gotten a little bit more used to him now, though, compared to when he first joined on in Season Mm 2. Especially now that we've been seeing more of a focus of him and Perry's relationship going on in the background as I, like a B-plot. I do like their dynamic. They have a fun, very touching mm-hmm. relationship where before it was like a boss and intern, now it's like father-son. And more recently, it's more like hijinks having yeah. wacky co-conspirators. It's more like a partnership now. That's true. They do really respect each other now and they like each other. Mm-hmm. And it sets up some really funny situations, which is great. Speaking of Perry White, this mm-hmm. one was played by Lane Smith. Right. So what did you know of Perry aside from like being the editor of the Daily Planet? I knew that he said Great Caesar's Ghost. Yes. I knew that he was a hard-hitting editor. I also knew from the comics that he would let Lois Lane get away with murder if she asked. Right. And I have seen, I think, in Greg Rucka's Lois Lane, him basically... I'm trying to think of a euphemism that's not gross, but basically he worships the ground she walks on. (laughs) She can do no wrong. As we all know, Greg Rucka likes to write his women a bit ditzy and dumb, but also, like, everyone around them calls them goddesses of the First Order. It's off-putting as well. I just don't like it. I don't (laughs) like it. I won't get into Greg Rucka and all the reasons why I don't like his writing. But I like this Perry White. He is more cartoonish than any version I've ever seen, though. Mm-hmm. And I will say that I've seen more of him in this than I have in any other version. So Perry White is a, a very important character in this show. And we get to see a lot of his personal life, his issues with his wife, Alice, who seems to hate him. <laughs> like, we never hear about them having a good time, practically. No, it's always halfway up to that point and something goes wrong where he has to stay late at the planet. Yeah, he's a tragic figure. He's always in the doghouse. He never even says anything really nice about his wife. It's always just, I have to make up with Alice. This happened. Or... Yeah. And it's played off for laughs, but it's really sad. <laughs> so... <laughs> Perry White um, and Alice White are not on the best of terms. That's what I know about him. I also know that his first love is definitely uh, Elvis. <laughs> and 
Elvis memorabilia and Elvis music. Yes. And Elvis memories. And I really feel like that was something for this show because I do not remember reading Elvis Presley coming up in conversation quite so often in the comics that I've read. Okay, let's for just a moment, let's pretend that you get a job writing for Superman. Okay. And you have to write a one-off that takes place with just Superman and Perry White. Okay. Would you keep the Elvis or wouldn't you? Now... Because I've been so invested with this Perry White, I would absolutely put this version of Perry onto paper. Mm-hmm. I became such a fan of this Perry White and like the hokiness and the silliness of him and just how serious he takes Elvis and adapts it into every single life lesson that he has to give out to his employees. Yeah, and everybody kind of is like, whoops, here comes the story. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't have 30 minutes to waste, you better get out of here. <laughs> But he's not just a comic relief character. He definitely can be serious. He takes over when there's like a horrible issue with like the planet getting bought out or shut down. Oh, yeah. He always is decisive. He's a good leader. He works hard. He makes sure that his employees work hard. He supports his employees in everything they do. But then, like, he also gets a little too involved, which is where the comedy comes in. It's very involved for your boss to be in your personal life it feels very much like the office with michael scott it really does and also lois lane kind of treats him as a father figure and tells him way too much about her love life yeah so does jimmy though well yeah it really does feel like you walked into a family with jimmy lois Mm -hmm. and perry the other employees kind of just work there although i will say like cat does seem like the ugly sister i don't know she's (laughs) so this version of cat grant was played by Tracy Scoggins, Mm -hmm. who is very famous for being on Star Trek Deep Space in the 90s. Oh my gosh. Honestly, I I knew that she was in a few comics. Okay, she's kind of an obnoxious character. Yes. Uh, I didn't really know much about her. I did see her in the Supergirl show. Mm -hmm. She was like the Devil Wears Prada caricature that she does. And so I was not ready Neither was I, because this is completely different from what I knew of Cat Grant. What I knew of Cat Grant was very much the same thing. She takes her job very seriously, even if it's just a gossip columnist. Mm -hmm. She always tries to show up Lois Lane Mm -hmm. to prove that she's the better reporter. Okay. And she is always infatuated with Clark Kent. Okay. So in that sense, these were consistent. These were consistent. She is another go-getter. So Kat Grant is a gossip columnist, and everyone talks about her famous Rolodex because she has a lot of social capital. Mm-hmm. However, she dresses <laughs> like something out of, I don't even know. It is not safe for work attire. Well, not at all, <laughs> but also like, you know how I criticized Harley Quinn for wearing a dead Muppet? <laughs> yeah. Like, In Birds of Prey? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The way Cat Grant dresses would make Harley Quinn blush. But at the same time, the difference between Harley Quinn and Cat Grant in terms of their outfits is that Harley's not wearing those outfits to a workplace <laughs> and getting That's a true. salary. It's <laughs> true. Cat Grant is insane. She wears the most bizarre clothes, and I really enjoyed that about her. <laughs> I would scream every episode at what she was wearing. I would be like, Are you kidding? <laughs> it was so amazing. It was so cartoonish. I could not believe what I was watching. It was no way in hell. Like, we were just talking about how Perry gives Lois, like, all these privileges. Uh Uh-huh. Cat Grant gets so much more. Yes. Because I feel like 
Perry would have a conniption if he saw Lois come in in a bikini. Oh, yeah. But he also, I feel like he's genuinely scared of Kat. I feel, I feel like I was too. <laughs> she will straight up tell people, yes, I have had sex on every surface in this office. And people are just like, yep. oh my gosh, don't go in the copier between three and four because she's doing they, her cougar bit on some poor unsuspecting soul. They just take it as the daily reminder to wipe the surfaces. Cat's absolutely bonkers. But somehow she intimidates Lois Lane. She makes her feel like the nerd versus the yeah. popular girl at school. Which is such a funny dynamic because I just don't understand how anyone can take her seriously. I don't know. She's always in costume. And she's like, whoop, time for a costume change. She's a total <laughs> theater kid. And so sometimes she knocks it out of the park. Like she'll wear like glasses and a pencil skirt and everyone's like, are you okay? And she's like, it's so constricting to wear normal people clothes. <laughs> but she does it sometimes. And, like, there was one part in an episode where she's trying to seduce Clark Kent. She gets him alone in her apartment. And she takes all the Cruella DeVille makeup yeah. off. And I will say she is prettier than Lois Lane. I she would say that is probably my favorite episode that Cat Grant was in. Well, because the actress, Tracy, has these soft features and she just looks like she should be a leading lady. Like, she's so beautiful. Absolutely amazing. What did she call it? She called it a taste of home outfit. Yeah, where she was wearing, like, jeans and a sweatshirt, which I didn't even know she owned. But no. like We had to pause the screen and just stare at her <laughs> because we could not believe what we were seeing. That was hilarious. But, yeah, I think that she is a comic relief character. She does disappear, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But she sort of fills that void that that one guy leaves. That sports guy, what's his name? Steve Lombard. Steve Lombard. I love Steve Lombard. <laughs> I hope he shows up at some point, I but I'm not holding out I really long. expected him to show up on the show season two because both Cat Grant and Michael Landis disappeared after season one. Mm -hmm. I couldn't find a reason as to why Cat Grant left. Mm -hmm. Michael Landis, they had him off the show because he looked too similar to Dean Cain, and they didn't want to be confusing jimmy olsen and clark kent as potential cousins or brothers you see that's what i think they messed up they already have sort of a little brother relationship with yeah. him so like why not just subconsciously get the audience to embrace that exactly. by making them look similar i like him so much i think they were more worried about him showing up clark kent <laughs> because he is a delight he was great and so i have one last character to ask you about okay and I feel like this is your favorite character, and that is Lex Luthor. This is true. Lex Luthor is played by John Shea. John Shea. Shea. Spelled like Shea Butter. I should have known. <laughs> okay. So this man, he does not look like Lex Luthor. He kind of no. looks like the villain in a 90s Hallmark movie. You know, the super rich husband who just doesn't have time for his wife. Mm -hmm. He has a lot of hair. <laughs> <laughs> He's hilarious. His line delivery is hysterical. He knows he's in a hokey cartoon-ish mm -hmm. type sitcom, and he really hams it up. I love everything about him. I love when he's trying to be manipulative. I love his stable of hoes. <laughs> he has all these women who work for him kind of on the side. None of them meet each other because they all think they're the special woman in his life. Mm -hmm. But they will do everything for him, and that's honestly why he's not dead. And he's got Mercy and Charity mm -hmm. and all these other girls. So it's kind of that thing where he's a handsome man, he's rich, he's suave, he's good at manipulating people, and he's just really smart. 
and he makes these girls he's with feel like the most special thing in the world, mm-hmm. which is how he ends up getting Lois Lane, who you totally understand in this context. Normally, I don't like Lois Lane with Lex Luthor. Yep. But in this situation, like, it totally makes sense because he's basically a single Elon Musk and he's her white whale because he won't talk to reporters. So she's Mm -hmm. like, I just want to talk to him. She finally gets a chance to meet with him and he falls in love with her. But later on, he's exposed to this love potion, this one (laughs) ex of his makes to make him fall in love with her. Mm -hmm. But you need to already have some sort of attraction. So it doesn't work and he ends up like seeing Lois Lane and he goes complete obsession. He manipulates everything around her so that she'll marry him. <laughs> and then even after that arc is over, he's still obsessed with her. And I think it's fun. It definitely makes him interesting. His rivalry with Superman, that one's a little bit fun. At first, you're kind of like, okay, that's annoying how he's just constantly, I need to have a rival I like that Superman's my rival. Mm -hmm. It's sort of cartoonish how villainous he is, you know? He's just (laughs) doing it for fun. He's not really doing it for any specific Mm -hmm. reason. Like, he is making money on the side, but mostly it's for the fun of it. Later on, though, it becomes a genuine hatred for Superman that I think makes him more of a threat and makes him more interesting. And he develops, like, a genuine hatred for Clark Kent because Clark Kent is always thwarting him. Which I feel like is different than a lot of interpretations that I see with him, where he actually likes Clark Kent. Yeah, he'll either not give Clark the time of day, or he does respect him over Lois, because Lois is usually writing the articles that bring him to jail. Right, and Clark is more mild-mannered. Right. (laughs) But in this, Clark is always in his face, because Lex Luthor knows that Clark's in love with Lois, and so Mm. they're rivals. But also, Lex Luthor wants to be Superman, and it's very apparent in this. <laughs> like, it's a constant reoccurring theme that Lex Luthor wishes he could have that power. He wishes he could yes. have that freedom. He wants to be Superman. Mm-hmm. And at one point, he does actually clone Superman. It's very Superboy in my mind, except instead of him being a boy, he's a fully grown man, but he still acts like a little boy, yep. and so he's like, all right, it's time for bed, and then he gives like Dean Kane a <laughs> piggyback ride to bed. And that's probably one of my other favorite things about his portrayal of Lex is that he has these crazy lines and crazy actions that he has to give, and he gives it in the most serious way possible. Oh, absolutely. He will straight face do anything, and meanwhile, you are dying laughing. (laughs) He does leave the show for a good long portion. I'm hoping he comes back, Mm -hmm. because he was just like the best villain. He really was. A lot of these characters, I feel, play into the parody of this show. Mm-hmm. They don't really take it that seriously. They all seem like they're having fun on set as they're filming yes, this. Yes, that is the most important part to me. It's just the chemistry in this show is so good, and everyone is having such a fun time, and they just throw themselves into it. It's a blast. So what would you say is one of your favorite moments of the show that we've seen so far? Um, My favorite moments... Well, definitely watching him give Dean Cain a piggyback ride was (laughs) huge for me. Mm -hmm. There was one, uh, let's see, Superman, I am trying to remember what happened, but everyone was mad at him. He apparently broke this musician's hand. Oh, right. So everyone was going Sue Happy, which if you're around the 90s was a really big deal. Mm -hmm. A lot of fake litigious lawsuits against like people for like, uh, oh, I broke into this person's yard, but I fell in their pool and now I'm going to sue them. 
So people were really mad at Superman. Well, they weren't even mad. They were just like really excited about suing him. So people would fake injuries to get him to rescue them. And then they would fake new injuries. Right. Because Superman was around them. And it got so silly, people were just, like, falling down in the street when it they saw him. It was literally like watching soccer. <laughs> it was so funny. Just, he's standing around a crowd of people who just, like, passed out. And just going, oh, my arm. <laughs> so, he just gets fed up. And at one point, the best part, uh, Adam West shows up. <laughs> As Jerry Springer. <laughs> and Adam West just starts piling on. About- <laughs> Superman and what Calling a creep him, he was. Uh, once again, Adam West delivers all these lines as if he's still Batman. <laughs> so good. <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling that would be your favorite. <laughs> <laughs> One of the, the recurring themes in this is that everyone will pile on Lois. Like, she'll say something completely rational or even something a little bit crazy, but it's like, you guys know that Superman exists in your universe, right? <laughs> And she'll say, you know, something like, um, I think I was abducted by aliens. And everyone's making fun of her, you know. Mm-hmm. And she'll say, oh, I think this person's faking their death. And everyone's like, crazy Lois. <laughs> she's at it again. And she's never wrong. But, like, I don't, it's a funny thing for them. Like, when she and, and Clark are fighting a couple's retreat undercover. Mm-hmm. And they pretend to be a married couple. Yes. And... Anytime she says anything, everyone just piles on her about how she must be the worst person in the world to live with. This whole time, like, Clark Kent's in the wrong. Yeah. And she just has to endure it, and it's the worst for Until me. Until she's proven right. But it's, like, a common thing they do, and mm-hmm. they do it for comedic purposes. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, really good stuff in this. And I just think if you're a fanfic writer, or you just want to get a little bit more Superman lore, or you want to even, like, check up on some of the more recent arcs that people have been doing, I think some of them have been directly ripped off from some of these issues. So I think it's a really good idea to go back and watch these just so you get, like, a a more well-rounded version of Mm -hmm. this character that a lot of modern writers are pulling from to get inspiration. Yeah. So, before we wrap this up, would you mind reading next week's comics for DC? Happily. Let's see. Okay, so next week, we're going to get Action Comics 1024, Batgirl 48, Batman Beyond 46, Batman Superman 11. We're going to get the black label Batman the Three Jokers number one. Which has been long awaited by many people for Jeff Johns and Jason Fabic, I believe. Are working on this. People are excited to finally get some closure on the three different Jokers that have been running amok. Um, Books of Magic 22 is coming out. Detective Comics, which I'm actually looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Flash 760. Sandman's John Constantine Hellblazer number nine. We're going to get Justice League Dark 25. Black Label's The Last God number eight. Legion of Superheroes number eight. Black Label plunge number six and black label the question the deaths of vic sage number four is coming back were you reading that at all i was did you enjoy it because i couldn't get past like the second issue i think i stopped like halfway through the art style is a little rugged and the storytelling style is also very rough yeah so it's not necessarily in a sequential layout it's kind of all over the place it's Mm. a bit jarring so i'm gonna read this i'm gonna see if i can make sense of it but it has been a while yeah it's been a couple months i want to say this is its first comic back since the pandemic pause right. 
Yeah, I, I just, I hang on because I love Vic Sage. That's why I figured you'd be reading it. I love the question. I felt so bad when he died. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know why. I was just like, he's never coming back. I'm never going <laughs> to see him again. He was so good. But I was excited to see this black label, so I will keep reading it, even though I will agree it's not It's not top. the best. No, it's just in there. It exists, so I'm reading it. Red Hood Outlaw 48 is coming out. Suicide Squad number eight and Teen Titans Annual number two. Mm -hmm. And we're also going to get Wonder Woman 761. Nice. So I'm going to be reading off the Marvel ones for next week. We have Arrow number 10, The Amazing Spider-Man number 47, Daredevil Annual number one. We have Empire Avengers number three, Empire Captain America number three, Fantastic Four Antithesis number one. I have no idea what that's about. Antithesis? Antithesis. (laughs) <laughs> what are words? And we have Ghost Spider number 10, Hellions number 3, Iron Man 2020 number 6, Spider-Man Noir number 3, which yeah. I definitely believe you should read. I love the first two issues of this. You just read everything in like that Casablanca voice. <laughs> he says as he shakes his hand in Italian. <laughs> Star Wars Dr. Afro number 3, X-Factor number 2, X-Men number 11, X-Men God Loves Men Kills Extended Cut number 2, 2020 Force Works number 3, and then 2020 Eye Wolverine number 2. Did you read the Eye Wolverine? I did not. Yeah, I heard not good things about it. I haven't liked anything from that 2020 series that they've been having going on. Granted, the only thing I read from it was their Iron Man. Because it's not Tony Stark. Ah. It's like his half-adopted brother Arno. (laughs) okay (laughs) it's so weird anyway thank you for letting me interview you today (laughs) i'm glad to hear that you enjoy lois and clark i hope that was entertaining it Um, was very entertaining for me i mean for you yeah because anyone just says the word superman you get all (laughs) big-eyed but like (laughs) listen it's nice to go back it's nice to see a time capsule like that and I definitely think we've been sleeping on Lois and Clark, and people need to definitely watch it. So you'd recommend this series, definitely? Absolutely, yeah. Especially if you want a better idea of Superman in a more relaxed setting. Mm -hmm. Like, it just seems like all of the superhero films and TV shows that come out right now, they kind of exhaust me. (laughs) There's a lot of fighting and not a lot of character development. Eh. Well, I'm glad you like it. Thank you. And once again, thank you all for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this episode, and we will have a regular episode next weekend. As always, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and YouTube at Court of Outlets. Let us know which comic you want us to cover next week, and make sure to stay up to date with our latest episodes by subscribing to the podcast on Anchor, Apple, Google, Spotify, and everywhere else you may listen to your podcast. Take care, guys. Bye.